0: kentucky nursing association has decided to require nurses to undergo a training that tells them they're all racist whether they know it or not and by they are always racist i mean only the white nurses because of course when you're teaching things like white explaining um that only really applies to one race and welcome, everybody, to the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. Of course, I'm your host, Andrew Cooperwriter, and you know it's going to be a good day today because I am wearing my uh, Hell No Sleepy Joe t-shirt, my Hell No Sleepy Joe t-shirt. That tells you that I'm certainly feeling feisty, feeling feisty. I've got three stories, as always, with you. For you guys here today. One, Jefferson County Public Schools considers whether or not they're going to follow the law and follow Senate Bill 150. And during the process, we'll look at testimony from two elementary-aged children who are convinced that transgender and pronouns and all that crazy stuff is where they need to be, no doubt the fault of their parents. Additionally, as well, we'll be discussing the recent articles we've seen regarding the Kentucky Nursing Board requiring implicit bias training, including white-splaining and uh, other crazy racial ideas in their trainings as a requirement to their nursing uh, license holders here in Kentucky. The board that promulgates those regulations was called into a committee hearing. We will share with you a little bit from that committee hearing and what else they had to say. Finally, Andy Bashir celebrates giving millions of our tax dollars to private companies. Just the most recent uh, example of how Andy Bashir hates you and wants to collect up all your money so he can invest it how he sees fit. We have all that and more today here on the Andrew Kubrider Show. But before we get into it, please like, comment, share, subscribe. Uh, share this Post if you're on Facebook. Share the video if you're on YouTube, Rumble, of course, and if you're listening to this on Twitter, you can always retweet it or re-exit. What what's that going to change to? I don't know, but uh, you can always retweet it. And then as well, this is always available in an audio-only format on every single major podcasting application and platform. So you don't have to be stuck with your Facebook or YouTube or Rumble or Twitter open. You can catch this while you're driving in your car, simply listening to Spotify or apps like that. Without further ado, let's dig down into it. First, we have Jefferson County Public Schools. They had testimony regarding Senate Bill 150. So Senate Bill 150, of course, required schools to do a few things, one of which uh, use children's biological sex bathrooms, disclosing pronoun usage, as well as uh, requiring um, you know, a, a plethora of things, all to combat this far-left ideas regarding these transgender whatever craziness. And in this, they had, while they were discussing this, they put forward two options. One option would essentially follow the law, the bare minimum following of the law. And then option two was to ignore the law and risk going to court. That's right. The school board itself literally put forward this as an option that they had to vote on, that they were voting on whether or not they're going to follow the law. And of course, all the, Absolutely crazy people came out uh, to voice their opinions on this, as could be expected in Louisville. And there was two testimonies at the very beginning that certainly uh, that certainly upset me because it is quite clear what's going on there. I'm going to play for you this first child's testimony, and then we will go from there. Right on.
1: Hello, my name is Finley Spalding and I'm going to fourth grade at Lowell Elementary. One of my moms is a librarian at Klondike Lane Elementary and my other mom is trans. I'm worried about JCPS enforcing this law. If JCPS enforces this law, my mom would be forced to use the men's restroom at school events. If JCPS enforces this law, I would not be able to learn about my family at school. I am worried that this law would open the door for students to make fun of my family or my family to not be included. I am also worried about other kids. What if there is a trans kid at my school and we now have to use the wrong pronouns for? What if they have to go into a bathroom that makes them feel uncomfortable and unsafe? i learned at, in school that the, uh, about the civil rights movement. I think that this law will go the same way as Jim Crow's laws, as a horrible stain to our history. I don't want my school to be a part of that problem. By going with version 2, JCPS will be on the right side of history. We will show the state that, in, and, that, that trans kids and families are welcome at our schools. I trust my parents to take care of me. I think JCPS and the government should do the same.
0: That child trusts his parents to take care of him. I'm sorry to tell you, son, your parents, they're not there to take care of you. For those of you who couldn't see the video format, let me explain what happened there. We have two parents coming up. Um, one of them, as he describes, is transgender. The other is a biological female. The other is a biological male. And they're pushing this child up to the podium to speak. Now, clearly, this kid has not thought of what he said all himself. No, this was clearly typed up for him and printed out. Do you think this fourth grader, honestly, going into fourth grade, just finishing third grade, could really put this together together? Do you really think, let me ask you this. I mean, maybe in uh, uh, Jefferson County public schools, they teach this in third grade, uh, but do you really think this child has the grasp of what Jim Crow's law are and how they came to be? And if this at all compares to that in the slightest, of course not. For the very fact that he would even try to compare them to Jim Crow laws tells you that he doesn't understand what Jim Crow laws were about and how this has and nothing to do with it. But no, going back to the video, they didn't just, that kid didn't just walk up there with his printed out paper. No, he walked up in front of his parents with his parents pushing him ahead along with their other children in front of them, asking them to defend their honor. See, that's the important thing to understand about these two children testimonies we're going to hear. These children are not being unconditionally loved by their parents and their parents are willing to sacrifice for them. No, the parents are using the children as a source for unconditional acceptance, kind of like a dog. They're not protecting their children. They're pushing this child out in front of them. The teacher or the trans teacher's husband, wife, or whatever, could have spoke on their own behalf, but no. Instead, they decided to print out a piece of paper for a child to read from, treating their children as if they're there to sacrifice for them. But of course, this is what permeates the kinds of ideas and lifestyles that dictate and dominate the left, ideas that say you are the most important person in your life. Nobody is more important than you. And your pleasure and your uh, freedom is more important than anyone else's, including your children. That is why you would push them forward and ask them to stand up for you when it should never be the case that your children have to stand up for you. But rather, you should be standing up for your children. On top of that, we have this biological male admitting that at school functions, he enjoys going into the bathrooms with little kids of the other gender. I mean, that's what the kid said. Kids kid said, at school functions, my other mother would be forced to use the men's bathroom because this individual was walking into... Little kids' bathrooms. It, it, it just you you literally can't make this up. It just reinforces every idea people have about your most concern is the bathroom at little kids functions. Oh geez, just hold it. But instead, this child demands. This child's not demanding. Let's make that very clear. This child's parent has printed out for their pawn to read. This is disgusting and gross. It's just throwing your children in front of you as if they're a shield. No good parent should ever be willing to sacrifice their children for their own comfort. But of course, what do we expect from this ideology? If not, further example of what road that little boy is clearly on. Let's take a look at the next speaker.
1: Hi, my name is Justice Chanel. My pronouns are they, them. I will be going into fourth grade at Goldsmith Elementary School. I live in District 3. Today, I would like to talk to you about trans rights. And I think that everyone should have a choice on how to be themselves and i think i i and i need your help i want my teachers to respect my pronouns and let me be who i really am at my school we have a no bullying rule sb 150 is bullying by the state JSBS needs to stand up to the bullies in frankfurt and say that they will not comply with this hateful rule therefore i am asking you to choose version two Version one says maybe, and version two says no.
0: This child, once again, same age as the last one, steps up there and announces themselves. (laughs) Announces that they go by, they them pronouns. Now I'm going to guess that this child is a biological boy. Saying I'm guessing that partially because despite the billion dollars that Jefferson County Public School spends over a year, they can't seem to get a video function that works where you can clearly see these children uh, and clearly see who's saying what <laughs> and, and to be able to figure this out. But this kid is going by they, them pronouns. Do you think this fourth grader is just so woke and alive? That it just knows that it needs to go by they, them pronouns. Look at how I have to talk about this child. It. They. It's dehumanizing. How's this child supposed to grow up with self-worth and self-confidence if the only way this child refers to themselves is in dehumanizing ways? On top of that, Let's just think about the sheer logistics of trying to teach a class of fourth graders where one of the children insists by going by they, them pronouns. Imagine a fire drill. Hey, have you seen Ronald? No, they are still in there. Oh, is there more than one student still in the building? It doesn't even make sense. At a time where children are just barely beginning to grasp the idea of language to begin with, you want to shove in ideology that teaches them that somebody can go by a plural pronoun? What are you doing? Do you think this child came to that all their own? Do you think this child, I mean, honestly, even you far lefties who watch this program for whatever reason, do you honestly think this child sat down in its room and was like, mm, I feel like a they, them. I am so spirited. I don't I don't feel like a boy or a girl. I don't know what I feel like. So I'm just going to go by they, them. Do you think this child invented they, them in their mind? No, of course not. I guarantee you. This child is subjected to this kind of perversion and indoctrination constantly from their parents that a person can go by plural pronouns. The idea probably never even crossed the child's mind. What's ironic is in a hearing about whether or not they should follow Senate Bill 150, these two children have given us the exact reason why we need to follow. Senate Bill 150. Every school should. Because we have kids going into the fourth grade using they, them pronouns. Now what the board decided to do was to table the discussion on Senate Bill 150, which means we can look forward to them discussing this again next month or next meeting. We look forward to them discussing this again as they have more conversation about whether or not they're going to follow the law should be interesting. And I'm sure we'll be subjected to more children standing up and making sure everybody knows that their parent has mentally abused them into believing that they're somehow a different gender than what they are. Kids growing up without facts, it's enough to break your heart. Well, after this, uh, we've seen some stories recently about Kentucky nurses being forced to undergo implicit bias training. This was a story, I believe, broke by the Washington Examiner. This was a story that was broke, uh, and a lot of news outlets have picked it up, so much so that the Joint Committee on Health Services had to have uh, some uh, brought this up in their hearing on Tuesday, and we'll, I'll share with you a little bit from that hearing and what they had to say. Uh, we'll have all that and more after this. Stay with us. The Kentucky Nurse Association has come under fire when news surfaced recently that the board has promulgated a regulation in their CE continuing education hours that requires nurses to go through an implicit bias training of some sort. Now the board does offer an implicit bias training. That's important to understand. There's a lot of, not a lot of, but there are a few different places where you can receive your state mandated reprogramming as, I mean, your state mandated implicit bias training as a nurse in Kentucky. But the one put out by the board is an option. And the one that the board decided to teach to nursing students includes things like White splaining, as well as several slides on how everybody is racist, including one slide that involves the Ku Klux Klan burning a cross. That's right. For some reason in Kentucky, the Kentucky Nursing Association has decided to require nurses to undergo a training that tells them they're all racist whether they know it or not. And by they are always racist. I mean, only the white nurses, because of course, when you're teaching things like white splaining, um, well, that only really applies to one race. You would think the very idea of white splaining would in and of itself be a racist idea, but, uh, apparently the Kentucky nursing association doesn't see it that way. um, Instead, they put forward a training that not only teaches everybody that they're racist and uh, that, you, you know, if you're white and you explain something, you're obviously a gigantic racist. I mean, have you met Jason Aldean? Pff, you're more racist than he is if you're a white person in a medical field that at all decides they're going to explain anything to anyone. On top of that, as well, the training also teaches about bootstrap. Uh how bootstrap theory is not true. this idea that you can this idea that you can pull yourself up by the bootstraps and make your way in life is just false. And so now the Kentucky nurses have to undergo these kinds of continuing education credits or they could face losing their license and I say could because it became much debate uh, at this hearing over whether or not this was really being required. So we've covered the training. Obviously, things that are very objectionable. Let's hear what the Kentucky Nursing Association had to say about whether or not they actually are requiring it. Because, of course, they're going to try to defend that, well, you know, we're not going to take away your nursing license. Because that's what the article said. The article said that, You could face your licensing being removed if you refuse to call yourself a no-good, dirty-down-dog racist if you're a white and a nurse. And the Kentucky Nursing Association says, no, that's not true. Let us explain. Well, let's take a listen to their wonderful explanation. I'm going to have to, once again, apologize. There You're going to see in the video, if you're watching the video form, basically a black screen off to the left side and then a computer screen off to the right side. Why? Well, because apparently, once again, despite the sheer amount of money that our government pumps into everything, we can't seem to get an actual camera to work properly when it comes to the Legislative Research Commission. This isn't a one-off thing. If you watch as many hearings as I do, you'll notice it. They literally cannot get a camera to work to save their lives. But let's take a listen
2: requirement. And just to clarify, um, I I, I was present. I took on the role of general counsel during the promulgation of this regulation. Um, We did not, no hearing was requested. There were no comments that were shared. And in fact, there were a lot of, I think this one came through also with 320, which has to do the education. And there's, I think there's reference to the implicit bias training also in 320. uh, And uh, just out of disclosure, um, for the pre-licensure programs. Um, but to be clear, when we we received a question from the media about this, um, there were the questions were framed in a way that are not accurate. Um, it is a mandatory requirement, just like CEs are mandatory as a part is a mandatory part of our CEs. Um, however, just like any other mandatory requirement, it could result in discipline. Um, if they just ignore the board saying, hey, do this. Most CE requirements uh, result in a um, in a consent decree, which is a civil settlement, um, and we resolve the vast majority of them that way. Um, sometimes they go to more further discipline if um, there's a continued history, say within five years, um, because the consent decrees can be expunged after five years. But if they continue to... Flaunt the the regulations about getting continuing education. It could rise to the level of reprimand, but in no way. In most cases, even most allegations that aren't CES, other allegations, we do not deny nurses licensure. That only happens if we have a, if we think we have enough probable cause to proceed on an immediate temporary suspension, um, which uh, is a threat to the public. In this case, that we don't see this as a threat to the public necessarily. Um, These CE's could be combined with something else, uh, other allegations, but failing to get continued education, we would certainly not take a license. He's licensed based on that. That's that's just not true.
0: All right. You heard it from him. You know, Um, he claimed (laughs) if that isn't the most I, I mean, think about this. So that was what, about two minutes long of an answer on whether or not you get your license taken away. For refusing to call yourself a racist? And what did he actually say? Well, first, at the very beginning, he did mention something about requests for a hearing. Remember that, because we're going to talk about that here after this. But he says, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you just didn't do it for like five years, then maybe... I mean, you know, yeah, you'll get discipline for not calling yourself a racist. In fact, in different parts of the hearing, they mentioned that they find them. Uh, that could be one way that they take care of it. Um, but yeah, anyways, they're like, hey, you know, maybe may we find you, give you a little bit of discipline, but you know, we're not gonna deny your license. Unless you do that and maybe something else. And then maybe combine those two things are why you lost your license. Yeah, on their own, neither thing would be why you lost your license. But if you put them both together, sure, that might be why. Or maybe you just ignore us for five years and don't take it. And then maybe. But, you know, we hardly ever. And notice that too. I mean, notice that qualification. It's not, no, it is in our regulation that if you fail to succeed in doing one of your uh, continuing education requirements that you will not lose your license. It isn't until you've hit this many hours, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. That's not what he said. He made it clear. This is a case by case. Generally speaking, we're not going to take it away. Oh, so you could take it away. Yeah, but but we don't. But you could. With a snap of your fingers, you could decide to take it away. Yeah, I mean, Maybe. Should a nurse, I mean, you just heard his talking. So imagine you're a nurse and you don't want to take this training. Would you feel comfortable in not taking the train that's not going to lead to your license being removed after hearing what he just said? Of course you wouldn't. I wouldn't be. He clearly was indicating that you will face repercussions if you refuse to take a training that tells you you are no good dirty dog darn awful MAGA Republican racist if your skin color is white. Did the committee push back and say, look, I don't like how you're characterizing this. I mean, Senator Meredith did a bit saying, oh, it could be a black mark on the record, but nobody really hammered this guy. You know, legislators should have been like, whoa, 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 hardly ever a risk unless you determine it's a risk to public health. Well, I'd hope any continuing education that you're prescribing to nurses are needed. And if they don't receive it, it could be a risk to public health. Are you saying you're mandating our nurses take other trainings that are a risk to public health? But of course they didn't receive that kind of pushback because this committee clearly doesn't often do their job. And, for those of you who wonder where I'm coming to that conclusion, let's go back to the article. In the article, the Kentucky Nursing Association originally says that, well, this regulation was considered and passed by a legislative committee. Now, it's important to understand that this committee before us, it isn't a statutory. It's, a, it's an interim committee, and it, it doesn't pass things. What it does is, is on regulations that are being promulgated on the health services, it hears them, it hears about trainings and stuff as it so chooses. If you remember early on in that video, and I told you to remember this, so you better have. (laughs) I told you to. He had mentioned that there was no hearing requested, meaning that no legislator asked for them to come in and answer about what was their implicit bias training. So it was presented before this committee, that there would be implicit bias training requirements for nurses, and then nobody bothered to ask them what that was. Now, does this committee pass legislation? No. This committee can't exactly vote on whether or not uh, that regulation is okay or not. What they do is, is it comes before them. They can say, they ask questions about it, and then those questions and, and the answers they get about the regulation then inform what they will do when they come into session uh, when they do have the power to do things because they could make a law. See, our legislators, and this this is exactly what I'd be asking them to do, to make a law that states no government body, no licensing body, no body of any kind that is statutorily mandated can require its constituents, its licensees, its people seeking a license to go through a training that teaches them that one race is inherently racist or people are inherently racist and that another race is inherently somehow down- downtrodden or should be held to different standards than another race. That's what they should pass, but you're not going to see them pass it. Why? Well, we saw what happened when Matt Lockett tried to get that done a few years ago for the schools to fight CRT. That was shot down by, and they replaced that as a do-nothing bill. On top of that, this is this same legislature that came in and said, hey, look, uh, we're going to pass a, a bill to form a statutory committee on race and access to equal opportunity. See, what's hilarious is at the same time you had this committee hearing going on, just to day or so prior, maybe the same day, the Committee on Race and Access to Equal Opportunity was being held where they talked about how schools are disciplining children based upon their skin color at different rates because all schools are racist. Public schools, clearly, they're all racist. We all know that. That just goes without saying. They showed data to show how these minority children are being punished at a higher rate and was talking about Uh, Therefore, oh, how should we treat these minority children differently in our public schools? Something that is just frankly ridiculous. They're not late to school because they're a minority child. They're not late to school because they're black or Hispanic. They're late to school for a variety of reasons. Could be they have a single parent that's working, so on and so forth. That's what needs to be addressed. Bringing up their skin color into kids being late to school is ridiculous and useless. We should be talking about just kids who are late to school. In the same way that bringing up skin colors, we're talking about quality of care is ridiculous. We should just be wor- worried about providing good quality care to everyone, regardless of their skin color. But instead, our legislature has decided to not ask questions about those issues. And so when that article says that it was considered and passed by the legislature, that's kind of half true. What happened was, is they put forward a regulation to require implicit bias. Nobody asked them any questions about it. No hearing was requested. So it went on through. And it wasn't until we saw what the creation was from that implicit bias that it actually got a hearing. And our legislators bothered to actually ask questions about it in the first place. That's what happened. They don't pass it. The board gets to create their own regulations, but the committee and then the body as a whole, come session in spring, can decide to pass laws to change what those regulations may be. They are allowed to do that. Do they fail to do their job well? Anytime you see implicit bias training or racial issues, if you're a true conservative, it should raise your heckles. And you should start asking questions. Are we going to force Nurses to sit down through malice struggle sessions while we're struggling to license nurses and have enough healthcare staff in Kentucky? No, that makes no sense. But they didn't ask those questions. So while the Kentucky Nursing Association is ultimately the one that created the regulation and the class, the legislature failed to do their oversight until after the fact. Now in this, they said, we'll talk more offline and we'll go back and look at how to change this. Actually, in fact, they said that they'll Tweak it. Tweaking isn't acceptable. This should be an outright repeal of teaching of these crazy far-left ideas like everybody who's white is racist and everybody who's not white has been subjugated to racism and that's why they're not farther ahead. Ideas that involve soft bigotry of low expectation. Those should just be removed completely. Well, coming up, Bashir is celebrating, uh, handing out millions of our dollars to more private companies. We'll have more after that. All right, Andy Bashir celebrates, giving one million dollars. Specifically one million seven. Specifically one million seventy two thousand four hundred and four dollars in grants from the state budget. So that's from the state. Okay. So that's yours and I direct tax dollars. That's yours and I direct tax dollars Ugh. going out to these companies. I'm sorry. It just got me so upset. I'm stumbling over my words. Um, going out to these companies, uh, they will match in part 7.45 million in federal grants. The businesses will collectively receive. So we have nine companies Receiving eight point five ish million dollars in total, so about just south of a million dollars each. So right around seven hundred fifty thousand dollars each. Uh, a million of that coming directly from the state, and then the rest of it coming from the federal government. What are these companies? Well, let me tell you what these companies are. First, we got BiOptics Technology LLC in Lexington. Ah, Lexington really hurting for the jobs in Lexington. I'm glad that we all shelled out millions of our dollars to a company there. Anyways, bioptics technology, this is the, the from the Bashir press release, he tells us what they do. The bioptics technology is developing a revolutionary non-contact optical brain imager for non-invasive imaging of cerebral blood flow and resting state functional connectivity across distinct regions of the brain in small animals. No. Not humans, small animals. Huh. Hopefully it leads to humans. Anyways, the global small animal imaging market size is estimated to reach 3.5 billion by 2029, (laughs) driven by growing demand and adoption of preclinical, multimodal, and optical imaging systems. Okay, so Bioptics Technology, LLC, that's a company that does, uh, looks like, um, brain imaging and blood flow for animals. Next is Faradine Systems. Um, They work in um, military. Okay. Faradine Systems, another business in Lexington. So glad. Lexington Uh, just just completely just has no jobs. So glad we spent so much of our money on this. Faradine Systems in partnership with Gotenna seeks to develop a device to serve as a team awareness kit such tactical assault kit meshed networked node. This solution will neighbor warfighters to create rapidly configurable signaling devices to extend situational awareness and visual data communications through overt and covert light devices on complex battlefields of tomorrow. So military company. Uh, Durgren Therapeutics, LLC. It's an early stage Kentucky business formed to translate academic research performed at the University of Louisville into commercially successful drug that saves lives and reduces healthcare costs. Acute Respiratory Distress Syndrome is a rapidly developing life-threatening lung disease occurring in 200,000 to 250,000 patients in the United States each year. With an average cost of 70,000 per patient and 30 to 40,000. Thirty to forty percent mortality rate. There are no drugs currently approved that alter this severity or mortality of this disease. So that's uh, that's in Louisville, place where we are once again hurting for jobs, clearly. And they are a medical company that is coming in to uh, I guess they're they're co-opting research we already paid for. <laughs> We already paid for the research at University of Louisville, a taxpayer-funded entity, um, and now they're getting millions more dollars, and I'm sure that this is a nonprofit company. Of course. I assume. It's not. DesiCorp, Inc., Louisville. DesiCorp is working to help advance biomanufacturing plants so that in the event of mass contamination cells or large-scale cell death, the cell lines or other bioprocesses can be quickly restored to an operational system. DesiCorp's freeze-dried cell line will help prevent costly downtime within plants and labs to recultivate or completely regrow their cell lines. So that's another uh, uh, medical manufacturing type group. Uh, once again, in Louisville. Here's another one Louisville. My, uh, oh, not my that's later on in the thing. Fetal Life LLC Louisville. Fetal Life is creating a My Fetal Tronic system for telehealth and usability in an at-home setting for expectant mothers. The system monitors contractions and fetal heartbeat while the platform provides online medical services and resources. It's funny. See, Democrats deciding to spend our money on children in the womb. I thought they. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? Mm, wasn't it a congressperson? Oh, well, yeah, that's right. It was. That said, fetal heartbeats are made up and they're a conspiracy. Well, apparently, uh, based on the federal government and our state government, uh, the actions don't follow up the words. <laughs> apparently, they don't think it's actually made up. Hexalayer LLC. Hexalayer LLC. Is focused on the development and commercialization of next generation high performance lithium ion battery technology. The company's next project incorporates a powder for the roll to roll anode manufacturing process. Hexlayer solution for powerful batteries will have significant worldwide impacts on the energy density of current and emerging Li ion batteries in both consumer and military markets. So obviously, with us bringing in all these electronic vehicles, um, well we better uh, better make sure we got the battery manufacturing going on. Now the only reason why I'm going through all these is because I want you to know what you spent your money on, well, what Bashir spent your money on. Pascal Tags Incorporated. Pascal Tags is focused on continued development and optimization of their chipless inventory tag system. The technology uses a resonator to enable a magnetic field to be created in the environment of radio frequency waves. The tags offer a a radio frequency identification functionality with an extremely cost-effective tag. The tags may have unique applications of being durable, as the tags can be directly printed and embedded into a product to act as a universal serial number for the life of a product. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah, let's just put IR tracking tags into every single item we buy. That's what that company does. Um, also in Louisville. Most of these are in Louisville. I think all of these are in Louisville or Lexington, which I know that is really the places that need millions of dollars of investment. I mean, if we're going to steal money from you, we might as well give it to the places that, you know, need it. Are <laughs> you just so ridiculous? The things we. What do you think the chances are these companies succeed? I mean, remember, this is from the same governor that said App Harvest was going to be Kentucky's next Toyota like a year ago (laughs) or two years ago. And now App Harvest is filing bankruptcy and is being evicted out of two of their factories and has taken over $50 million from the taxpayer and is not going to pay it back. We continue to, to point out what other companies Bashir thought was really great. Really great stuff here. PCC Hydrogen Hydrogen Inc. PCC Hydrogen or PCC H2 has developed a patented process to produce net to produce net negative CO2 green hydrogen by performing by performing by reforming ethanol fuel. The company will develop applications for the hydrogen produced through its novel production process. PCC-H2 has identified battery electric vehicle BEV recharging stations as an attractive application for PCC-H2's hydrogen product. Given the dynamic growth of BEVs, there is an urgent need to expand the number of Level 3 fast charging resources for Kentucky drivers. PCC-H2 net negative CO2 green hydrogen, when coupled with a fuel cell, can cost-effectively deliver environmentally friendly Level 3 charging power to prospective Customers, since those chargers are independent of the grid, deployment can be accelerated. Of course, this is this is just atypical BS. I mean, it's more millions of dollars we're giving to companies in order to help support other companies. We've already given million. I mean, we gave half a billion dollars to Ford's battery plant out of our state tax money. Half a billion in cash, straight cash. Well, to battery plants, 410 million to Ford in straight cash, just cash. And now we've got to give millions more to all these other companies because the technology isn't there. And so we have to spend more of our money to continue to invest in companies that we will not see the payout. Are you getting richer? Am I getting richer? Do you now own a chunk of these companies because you've given them millions of dollars? Of course not. You will never make anything off these companies. But that doesn't stop then from giving them to them. It'll never stop them. All right. One more. The corpse. Locating from California. The corpse or cores. TRL 7. Acclimated technology system combats combats. Heat stress and heat illness by providing smart active cooling to the user coupled with hydration that is compatible with donned gear configurations. This enables The user to train harder, perform better, and fight longer acclimates dual use technology is at the forefront of the human capital sustainment and human performance enhancement revolution for troop and athlete endurance training, meeting both Department of Defense and commercial sector needs. So it's like they're literally bringing in several military companies and battery manufacturing, everything that the government loves right now. Military spending because of, you know, Ukraine everything else. Military spending and electric vehicle batteries, carbon emissions. I mean, if it's got to do with those two categories, you do it. I'm I'm going to create some boondoggle company that doesn't do anything to collect up on these millions of dollars of our money. We're just handing out to people to do, probably fail at doing God knows what. Anyways, all right, guys, you guys have a great rest of your day. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Thank you all so much. We'll see ya.